When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Craig Burley and Shaka Hiswar for alongside myself, Kay Murray, in the studio. We're going to start with Europa League action. Manchester United running out 4-1 winners against Real Betis in their first leg last 16 Europa League tie. Eric Ten Hag naming an unchanged side from that 7-0 loss to Liverpool. And much more praise this time around for captain Bruno Fernandes, who scored the, th- the third of Manchester United's goals on the night. I am Bru. There's one for you, Craig. I am through. Nadim Anua watching this one for us. He's the man who's usually bringing Manchester United good luck this season. But what's your, your initial reaction, Craig, to what we saw tonight from Manchester United? Well, they put the 11 back out. It was almost like, I want a response. I want you to show me the side of you that I know uh, is there and not the, the debacle and the shambles that was Anfield. And for 45 minutes in particular, it was tight. Second half was much better. They did make some changes. Scored some good goals. Dominated the game, really. Uh, Betis had, you know, had their chances, but not near as many as Man United. So a response was what the manager was looking for, and a response is, is what he got. Were you surprised to see that same 11 Shaka, or was it the right thing to do? I, I think it was the right thing to do, um, just given how, how poor the weekend was and, and Eric Ten Hag sending a message. Uh, I think that was the right thing to do and, and ask for a response, and, and he got it. Now, the, the cynic in me is saying a response against, against Bia Betis, who are, I think are sitting fifth in, in, in La Liga. Um, this is, is the least you would expect from Manchester United, but to the club and, and, and the players' perspective, all you could do is play who's next in front of you. Um, and, and that's exactly what they did. They made easy work of, of, of Betis um, and well, took one step to, to distancing themselves from, from the Liverpool result. Perfect response for you, Nadem, for this side. Uh, I think the second half was, yeah. I like the fact that he put the same team out there again because it was a chance for them to sort of show to the fans because they're always getting 70,000 plus at Old Trafford to go and see what the players really are because that game against Liverpool was an abomination but that's not necessarily who Ten Hag believes those players are and the players went and showed that today but in the first half you know they had a few chances but so did Betis it felt like it was a more even game and there were times where Betis were on top and you could hear their fans amongst the 70,000 could hear them loud and clear but then in the second half there was an injection of energy there was more tempo to their play more aggression defensively more aggression in attack and in the end, it was a very comfortable second half for them. I think Betis only had one shot in the second half, and that was a speculative effort at that. So I think the way that that game finished, the fans are going to remember that, and they're going to try and forget about, you know, that record loss at the weekend to Liverpool. And, you know, that will always be in their minds. But, you know, overall, it was a very good reaction, very good performance. And I'm sure this is what Ten Hag expected because he trusts those players, not just tactically te- and technically, but to be mentally tough to be able to get through the tough spells that they've had through a season as well. Bruno Fernandes, a lucky boy on the day, Craig? For the challenge? Yeah, for the challenge. You know, I think I was just a bit okay with it. Just uh, because it wasn't a straight leg. But yeah, he he certainly was a little rash there. But I think more importantly, he played a little more centrally. He 
got involved in this, particularly in the second half and all the good things that, that are that we know United can do. In fact, him getting on the ball, getting turned in good positions and putting people through. Uh, so yeah, it was a, a response needed from him. Uh, and ultimately, you know, people will say, well, he answered his critics tonight. Well, his job wasn't to answer his critics. His job was to do his job better. And he wasn't alone from the weekend, clearly. But as the captain, as one of the leaders and, and that being questioned, it was his job to go out there and put all those things behind him. And in all fairness to him, he pretty much did that. It's easy, it's easy to, to, to captain, it's easy to lead when, when things are going well, when you're winning. So this, this performance by Bruno Fernandes, this captain's performance, I, I don't think does anything to, to distance what you saw from him on the week, from him as a captain on the weekend. I could captain a winning team quite, quite easily. Uh, that's, not, that's not the big ask. Um, to, to Craig's point, I think he is a little bit lucky with, with that challenge. Don't get me wrong, I think the referee got it right. But had the referee kind of in real time interpreted that as, as a straight leg or as catching, catching Claudio Bravo with, with studs, I'm not 100% sure that the VR overturns that. It doesn't. And, 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 so, and, and again, this calls into, calls into question some of those decisions. Given what you saw over the weekend, given how easy this game turned out to be, um, that rash decision for no reward, could have, could have cost you being sent off, could have cost Manchester United playing the rest of the game for, for 10 men, and quite easily a, a, different, a different result. And these are the things, again, that you're looking for your captain to make better decisions about. As much as I say he, he got it right, the referee, it could have been different, and I, I just don't, I feel that Bruno Fernandes has to be a little bit more careful in what he does as captain of Manchester United. So out of interest, you're saying that, what does put that in the back window? Uh, what does make that everybody forget that Time. performance in Anfield? Time and performances. And when he has to step up in a gritty performance against a difficult opponent and lead his team to that victory. Against Betis, a 4-1 win, that's easy. You, anybody could captain that. It's when you come up against the Manchester Cities or the Arsenals and Manchester United have to dig deep to, to get a result and you as captain have to lead this team in doing that, that's when you put that Liverpool performance in, in the rearview mirror. Would you agree with that, Nadem? Yeah, I think I would. But I think in terms of Bruno Fernandes, he's, he's a very much a polarising figure. And I think one thing I've seen is that, you know, some of his harshest critics, they're not really going to change their mind because there's something about the style of play that he has which doesn't suit the eye of many. But in fairness, when he was playing well today and he was scoring the goals, the, the fans were right behind him and it seemed like the team were right behind him as well. So I don't think he's going to move the needle at all based on, you know, a game like this today. Because, and as well, because we saw what we saw on the weekend against Liverpool, that's going to stick in the minds of a lot of us. But in fairness, he went out there, he did well. I think with the, um, with the challenge, I think the referee did make the right decision. But you do wonder, like, why go in for that tackle? What is there really to be gained at that point? Because you can see it's, it's a car crash about to happen. And in fairness, the way he went in meant that it probably wasn't going to be a red card, but why bother at all? But then ultimately, you know, he's the captain of the football club. Ten Hag, who appears to be a very good manager, trusts him. Looks like the other players trust him as well. And you see, when he's, as Shaka said, when you're doing well and you're winning, you know, it's very easy to captain. But I think it's easy to captain when you're at Old Trafford and you're a team that's in the ascendancy. I want to see what it looks like going forward when they've got a really tough away game and you need him to sort of drag the team up by the collar. Will he be able to do that? I think Ten Hag believes he will. 
But for us and for some of those other people out there who are critics, they'll be surprised if he does. But I'm interested to see how he does between now and the end of the season. And then he goes into that challenge, which was could have been worse. And then instead of walking away from it, whether he's going to see if Bravo's okay or not, it, it, there's Betty's players come over, the ref comes over, the ref has to usher him away. It's nitpicking, but it's decision making that could cost you. Um, but I suppose that's part of his makeup. It's maybe why the fans have taken to him on top of his, uh, his talent. But there is an edge to him where I think he will have to hone it in a little bit. I don't think he's alone. But again, look, we're nitpicking here. They've just been battered at Anfield. They've got a Europa League game against a decent Betis side. They've done the job, scored some good goals, could have been more. I don't really think you can ask for too much more. Now they have to go over in a week's time to Seville and finish the job off professionally. I think the fans have taken to Bruno Fernandes because he's a good player. And, and in all honesty, weekend's results aside, Manchester United have been playing some fantastic stuff. And when those big tests have come, they've passed. And so you understand that. But I, again, for me, their biggest test was at Anfield. And that's where they, and, and talking about Bruno Fernandes, that's where, that's where he failed. But otherwise, starting the season apart, Manchester United, Bruno Fernandes included, have been simply outstanding. Yeah, and a big part of them being outstanding, Nadem, has been Marcus Rashford's form. He scored again and opened the scoring today for them. What did you make of what we saw from him? Yeah, I think it was a great finish and he had a couple of other chances as well, but I don't think this was his best day. But when you don't have your best day and you're still contributing with big goals and big moments, I think that says a lot about where you're at in terms of your career at this moment in time. You know, things are really going well for him, balls are dropping to him because, you know, the goal that he scored today came off a deflection off one of the defenders. It wasn't even meant to, meant to go to him, but then the finish was so emphatic. And he did, he did his work. I thought he was probably more dangerous when he was a bit more central. But, you know, this is Marcus Rashford of 2023. He's in great form, scoring a ton of goals. You almost expect him to score now every time he's on the field. And he has so much confidence that he's a joy to watch. And like I say, this wasn't his best day, but it didn't need to be. And I'm sure in the, between now and the end of the season, he'll continue to have a huge impact for them. Because it seems, as I say, every time he steps on the field, he believes he's going to score the same way that we do. And what an amazing feeling that must be. Yeah, he didn't play well today. But it was a great goal, great finish. Mm. He's fabulous in those positions. Whether he goes low, which he does often. This time he went high. It was a great, great decision. Magical finish. But his all-round performance was below par for him. Let's not forget, United are doing this with a guy up front who did get a goal today in Veghorst. But they're doing this with a guy up front that really, really and truly shouldn't be playing in the Manchester United side. So why is he starting every game then? Because there's a boy, because because they haven't got any other options that are better, right? There's no. If somebody wants to come and have a debate with me here whether Wout Veghorst is good enough to play for Man United long term, I'll have it all day, right? So they're doing it with. If they had a proper striker today, this game would have been five or six, right? Now he got his goal in the end, and he'll win balls and he'll work hard and he'll link up, <coughs> but they're effectively doing it with a guy up there who's just a big for a no fashion term, a cart horse. And that's what he is. You know, he's, he's, he's a Burnley player who was out on loan in Turkey. They needed a body and somebody who they could link up of. I'm not being harsh, but it's, it, that's the facts. They're doing it with a player who really is out his depth at that level. But he seems to be getting a lot of support from the United fans, Nadim. 
Uh, well, I wouldn't read into that too much. I think from what you're hearing in the stadium is very different to the sort of messages I'm getting every time he's on my TV screen. So I think there is some sort of a divide with that. But in fairness, like, no one can question the hard work that he puts in, but they know that long-term, that's not the striker that they want to see at their football club. They want to see someone who's going to be iconic for the club, going to score 30 goals a season, going to lead the line incredibly. But, you know, Ten Hag chose Veghorst. And he's putting the work in, but it's just, you know, they almost expect him to be missing chances. And I think someone made the point to me earlier that, you know, when he's, he was celebrating his goal, like he knew he shouldn't have been there to even have the chance to do it. And that's not great, but in fairness to him, he seems to be starting every week. He's putting the hard yards in, he's winning the ball, he's setting things up. And maybe some goals, some more goals will come. But for now, I think people understand he's a short-term fix. But since he's arrived, United have been very, very good, so... Clearly something's working. I'm just not quite sure what it is, though. Is that, is that the United fans that were moaning about him touching the Anfield sign? They weren't very happy with that, that's fair to say, <laughs> isn't it? They will have been happy, though. Fickle. They will have been happy with Anthony's goal. Another one in the top corner, Shaka. Yeah, and another one of those polarising players, in, in, in all honesty. I, I think Anthony's a wonderfully talented footballer, but again, shows up when it suits him. And, and, and that has been... That, that will continue to be my criticism of him. We know what he can do. We should have what he can do against Betis. But too often, it, he wants to go for the flashy. And a lot of times, we're without, without much substance. And when you're playing for Manchester United, more is expected of you than, than that. You have, everything you do has to have substance about it. And, and that, for me, will, will, will always be my criticism um, uh, of Anthony, I, I feel for all for all his touches, for all that he can do with the ball, too often it doesn't it doesn't have an effect or an impact. He's a show pony. That's what he is. He's a show pony. He's a 100 million dollar show pony. And yeah, he scored a great goal tonight. How many times are you going to do that over the course of a season? In the top corner, I'll tell you, not too many. So there has to be other parts of his game. And I'm not overly impressed with what I've seen. Yeah, I'll, I'll applaud somebody picking out the top corner, but as I said, are you going to do that every week or every other week? Maybe even once a month? No, probably not. So I'm looking at the other side of his game, taking defenders on, his end product. And for me, he's at the club because Jaden Sancho has struggled. And I think if Jaden Sancho was to find his form again, consistently, and Marcus Rashford was to continue playing off the left, then he probably wouldn't be playing. So, I think a great moment, but that great moment's not overshadowed and has not taken over all the rest of the stuff for me. I, I, I think he's a bit of a flash in the pan, and we'll see these moments now and again from him, but I think more often than not, defenders of, uh, that I've seen have pretty much had his number. Yeah, we've seen what he's going to try to do, and when it does pull off Nadem, how do defenders deal with him? How would you deal with Anthony? Uh, I think one thing in terms of his assets, I think he's very good when it can, the game can get into transition and he tries to stretch the game in behind. I think Ten Hag is, is very passionate about his players doing that and I think he can do that. And then when he does square people up, you know he wants to come inside. I think every game that you've seen him play, he'll come inside and he'll have a shot from that side. I think he had a couple of shots like that at Anfield in the first half. So you know it's going to come. So how are you going to deal with it? And I think if you find the right sort of team that doubles up on it, then forcing him down the line makes him a bit more uncomfortable because he will try and do a trick that necessarily that doesn't necessarily work out because he's not quite got that sort of physical edge to be able to win it on the other side. So it's never simple because he's obviously a very good player, but 
you know, at times he does, players have their tendencies. And I think if you can sort of lean into that, then that's going to be better for you. But, you know, to give credit where it's due, like the guys have said, it was a great goal today. But at this moment in time, it doesn't feel like it's unanimous that he's been a great signing for United. Whereas, you know, you look at Casemiro's and others and it feels like they are, but he's not quite there yet. And I think it's because some of these moments are great, but it seems like they're few and far between. And unfortunately, the other stuff in between isn't stuff that people are really enamoured by. But as it stands, you know, scored a good goal today and he seems very confident. And more importantly, whatever we say, Ten Hag trusts him. And I think that's probably the biggest vote of confidence he can have as a player. I'll tell you how, how you deal with Anthony. I made this point during the World Cup against, against Croatia, Perisic coming over. If you have an enforcer in midfield who comes over and engages Anthony and, and really lets him know he's in for a game, he shrinks. And you saw that in the World Cup. The, the fortunate thing for, for him in, in, in this regard is there aren't too many players like that in the Premier League now. All the midfielders are ball-playing midfielders. There's no none of the Patrick Vieiras or, or Roy Keynes um, of in, in, in the game anymore. Um, but you saw that during the World Cup in a Brazil shirt, once somebody came over and started rattling him, it just threw him off his game entirely. So... He's fortunate in where, where he's playing, in which league he's playing, and the fact that for those teams that do have enforcers, they're so much lesser than Manchester United that they're, they're able just to, to, to run around quite, quite simply anyway. Um, but had, had one of the, one, one, a Liverpool or, or Manchester City had that type of player, that type of physical player who would come over and engage him, I, I don't think you get much out of him at all. We wanted to show you the starting 11 for Real Betis because starting for them was 41-year-old Joaquin. What an absolute legend. What's your excuse at 36 then, Naden, for not still being playing? Uh, well, as was the case while I was playing, I'm just not as good as Joaquin. So there you go, okay, how about that? Joaquin's a hell of a player. I just, you know, it's weird to see him playing out there at 41, turning 42 this summer. But clearly he's got something, you know, that understanding of the game. His legs aren't what they used to be, but he's still very much a genius and his passion for the football must still remain. Because let's be honest, guys, like when you've played, there are lots of highs, but there's a lot of stuff which is very, very dour, just dry and horrible as far as football goes, especially when you're not winning every single week. So fair play to him for getting through it. Going, putting himself out there as a legend that he is. And I'm sure the end is, is very, very close. But for now, you know, he played his part for, um, for Betis and arguably they were better in the first half when he was on, so... Make of that whatever you will. Yeah, he said if they qualify for the Champions League, he's going to stick around as well. So that will be 42. As for Arsenal, it was another fight back from them, but this time it did end in just a draw in their Europa League meeting with Sporting. Saliba opened the scoring. Inacio responded for Sporting. Then Paulinho put the hosts ahead before Arsenal benefited from a Marita own goal just past the hour mark. Julian Laron is joining us now to talk more about this game. Fair result, Jules? I think so. Although Arsenal had chances to win, it was quite. It was a very. Open, it was more cagey first half, very open second half, where it was end to end. They both had big chances. Martinelli, maybe the biggest one, one on one with the keeper. He tries to go round him, and then Saint Just sort of catches him in the end. Where maybe if he had shot, if he taken the shot earlier, he might have scored. But for like a mixed Arsenal team with some starters like Saka and Saliba and some usual serves like Matt Turner in goal who. I think made a mistake on the uh, on the first sporting goal. It was it was a decent performance. Maybe lacked a little bit of intensity and maybe a bit of creativity with that other guard. But overall, I think if you get a draw away from home in Europe. It's not it's not too bad. 
And not too bad given that they take the second leg now back home. Yeah, I was quite surprised that it was as strong a team as it was, but and it was a good game actually. I mean, Paulinho should have made it uh, 3-1 just before the uh, Arsenal equaliser, which was a huge deflection. Uh, Matt Turner got away with a couple of uh, playing out from the back a couple of times, as well as the corner kick or the set piece, that he sort of misread the flight of the ball. Uh, so it was a couple of things, but that, you kind of expect that. But it, it was an open game. Arsenal dominated most of it, created more chances. Uh, Martinelli's run was unbelievable. I mean, he just bundled <laughs> through three or four people, kept going out, paced him, went round the goalkeeper, just ran out of real estate at the end. But yeah, I think Mikel Arteta has to be pretty happy with what he saw. I think the intensity level from Arsenal wasn't what you would normally see from a game in the Premier League. It's almost like... And, that, and you know, when you make these changes, then you kind of get that. But it's almost like they have got one eye on the weekend again. And this is important, but it's not as as important. Yeah, well, that's the interesting point, Jules, that I wanted to ask about. Like, what attention do they put to the Europa League this season, given the fact that it is within their sights to win the Premier League this year? How do you balance that? I think it's been interesting to see what it does. I agree with Craig. I, I expected more changes tonight. I didn't expect Saka to play the whole 90 minutes, for example. Neither Saliba. Uh, but he went with, um, with still a strong team. And I think even the, the priority is the, the Premier League 100%. I still think that they see this competition as a good competition to rotate your squad and to, to give game time to someone like Smith-Rowe, like Kivio, like Gabriel Jesus when he's going to come back, for example, which if there's no Europa League... You don't really have that kind of opportunity. So they still see it's important, but the priority is obviously the Premier League. So the priority is the Premier League. Who's your favourite, Arsenal or Manchester City right now? In the Premier League? Yeah. I'm, I'm still leaning Manchester. I'm still leaning Arsenal for, for the Premier League. Listen, they're in poor position. They have a little bit of daylight between themselves and City. Um, but as I said, it's, it's, it's far narrower than what the five-point gap would, would suggest. I, I, I just feel... This City team knows how to run down good teams. City have closed bigger gaps than this with less games to go. But it, it's no real reason to doubt Arsenal, certainly not right now. And not in the FA Cup. Carabao Cup's done. As Jules was talking about, this competition really is a, a great vehicle for them in some sense to keep some of these players or get them fresh, get them match fit, get them some confidence, some sharpness in case they're needed. Mm. And I'm not saying they're ruling this competition out. I don't think they are. But I think it's more important to have these second-string guys as they are at the moment getting competitive game time. Because we've already seen with one or two injuries that they've had or loss of forms, Eddie Nketiah, Thomas Partey, that it's important people can come in, particularly when it gets to the last couple of months of the Premier League, some of these guys might be needed. And to get this game time for them against pretty good opposition, I think is actually a bonus for Mikel Arteta. If you had to pick, Nadem, between Manchester United and Arsenal to win the Europa League, not to do with how you feel about it, but who you actually see going all the way in it, who would you choose? To see go all the way? Wow. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I can't say Man United, can I? That's illegal. So it's got to be Arsenal, isn't it? You know, they... Um, <laughs> They're, uh, they're obviously a very, they're a very good side. And interestingly, I know they make changes, but what I like is they never make so many changes that it affects their identity. So even though they will make some adjustments for any particular Europa League game, you still see a similar sort of Arsenal, just with slightly different faces. So I, I would choose them, and I'm sure United fans are going to let me know all about that. But ultimately, I don't care. So yeah, this is how it is. 
Well, Arsenal are, Arsenal are the better side. League position will tell you that. But we've already seen Man United tonight putting their full strength team out mm-hmm. because they can't win the league. Well, well not sorry, they can win it. It's not going to happen. Uh, and they're probably going to get in the top four. So there's less risk. Whereas Arsenal, even if they go all the way, or pretty much all the way, might continue with this sort of hybrid model. So that might level it up a little bit. But I think going... Horn for Hall, and there's no doubt for me, Arsenal are the better side. I, I think Manchester United will take the Europa League yes. far more seriously than Arsenal, especially if, if both go deep into the competition and all of a sudden, if Arsenal maintain, fragments, say, let's say they maintain a five-point gap, you could see Arteta making more and more changes. But as, as, as the games tick away and if Manchester United become, become more secure in at least a top-four finish, then all of a sudden, Ten Hag can be excused for playing stronger teams in the Europa League than he's in the league if that top four spot is, 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 is cemented. So I, right now, with this long to go, I think United have the better chance. And meanwhile, Juventus were in action against Freiburg. That game finished 1-0. Angel Di Maria scoring the only goal of the game. Paul Pogba just come back to action and dropped for disciplinary reasons for this match, Jules. Can you tell us more? Yeah, that's right, Kerr. He was just late at the, um, the team meeting to go to the hotel on Wednesday night to, to prepare for the game on Thursday, to, for the game today. Uh, he just turned up late where the whole team was gathering and Allegri sent him home and said that he was dropped from the squad for disciplinary reasons, which is, which is that. We saw it with Marcus Rashford and Eric Ten Hag when Rashford was late for a team meeting before a game. He was dropped to the bench for the game. Similar for Pogba, there's rules, you have to respect them. I find it hard that the lack of discipline when he's just coming back from an injury, when this is a very important moment for his club with everything that's happening around Juventus, that you can't really rely on him for just being on time. I mean, it's, it didn't ask for the world. Just being on time to when you turn up at the hotel the night before a game, couldn't do it, he was sanctioned. What's the perception of Pogba in France, Jules? In terms of just as, as, as a player back. now coming back to action, who he is right now? I mean, the, the, the respect is, is still there. I, we, there was a, an outcry in a way when, when he was, he was, he was going to meet the World Cup because, because he's a very important, team for the nation, uh, important player sorry, for the national team. And so, but we've, we've followed his injuries, the recovery, the, the setback that he had. Through the, through the whole season between July and, and really the last three weeks where he finally made his return, um, hoping that he will get back to his best, that we will see the Paul Pogba that we saw at times certainly with the national team more than with United or maybe the, the first UV spell for him. That's all we can hope, really. There's a, he still has more to give, I think. He's, he was born in 93, March 93, so... Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big year because he turned 30, he's on the wrong side of 30 and, and there's not many years left for him at the top, top level. So let's hope that he recovers fully and then we can see him on the pitch at his best very soon. I look at, I look at him and I, and I know what you were meaning to Jules there was, I, I, I'm not putting words in your mouth, no. but I think there's a fear that probably from the French public that they might never see the real talent of Paul Pogba again to the standards that we saw, particularly at Juventus. Brilliant. You know, winning World Cups with France. And I have to say, looking at it myself, I have a huge doubt he'll ever get back to the player he was. Yeah, I mean, injuries, 
but I just think desire as well now. Age, desire, injuries, you throw those on all in the melting pot. He's got a team as well. It's, it's not, doesn't look it's going to be a, a, a quick turnaround at Juventus, all the problems they've got there. So, yeah, unfortunately for Paul Pogba, I think the Man United move back there was a bad one. Uh, the injuries, all the criticism. And I just don't think we'll ever see that player from what, probably six years ago now, something like that, five, six years ago. I just think that that Pog Pogba has come and it's gone. So obviously not in the squad for Juve in their game against Freiburg. Just taking a look at some of the results from the Europa League in this first leg in the round of 16. Sevilla getting off to a winning start as well at home, as did Roma only in Berlin playing out a 3-3 draw. Lots of goals. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So as it stands, Spurs are fourth in the Premier League right now. No wins in their last three in all competitions, and that does include an FA Cup and Champions League exit in the space of just over a week. Antonio Conte is out of contract this summer, and there's been a lot of talk about whether he'll even see out the season. This is what he's had to say on the matter. I have a contract with Tottenham. I respect the contract. At the end of the season, assessments will be made with the club in the most serene way. Let's see how this season ends. Maybe they can send me away even earlier. Perhaps the expectations were higher and may be disappointed. What matters for a coach is trying to work and raise the bar. This year, we are struggling to raise the bar. Jules, do you think he's even going to see the season out with Spurs? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't think he will resign uh, for different reasons. I think for his own pride to start with, uh, for his, his contract, as he, as he just said in the quote that you read. I don't think the club will get rid of him and pay him off the remaining, what, three months of his contract now. So may as well finish the season with him. I think what he said the other night is he, he's admitting himself that he's, he's failed, that he's failing, really, because as, as we heard, he said they're struggling to raise the level, raise the bar. I've got no doubt that he won't be at the club next season. I don't think Spurs want him to be at the club next season. I think they're already working on who's coming next. 
uh, and they will they will have to get this one right because they got too many wrongs now in the last since Pochettino left, really. And the next one has to be the right one. There is a short list of candidates to replace him. Taking a look at some of those names now for you. One of the big names is Luis Enrique. But at the top there, you can see Mauricio Pochettino, Thomas Tuchel, Deserbi, Thomas Frank. And as you can see there, Luis Enrique as well. I'll Which take any of them over him. Right. Who do you like most then? Well. For this role. Tuchel. You know, Tuchel's had more success than Pochettino. Deserbi's done a great job at Brighton. I love the way they play. Thomas Frank has been obviously brilliant with their recruitment at Brentford uh, and also the energy they have about them but I'm just sick and tired of, of the wind in the morning and I think Tottenham are too and look they brought if Tottenham had a long-term view why did they bring in a short-term manager Antonio Conte apart from his time at Juventus which was hugely successful hugely successful dragged them up and then went on this great run Apart from that, he's sort of dodged between clubs, hasn't he? He's in and out, had success, left. You know, at Tottenham, he always needed someone that had a bit more long-term vision. It didn't take a genius to work out he was going to whinge and moan and talk about transfers and talk about squads and talk about players and talk about other teams. We knew he was going to do that. And somewhat you can suffer that if, one, you're getting results, which he is to an extent in the Premier League, but two, the football's actually decent, which it's not. It's pretty dire. And when you add those things together, I agree with Jules. I don't think he'll leave before the summer, but I don't think he'll be managing the club next season. And I think that's a good thing for Tottenham, as long as they make the right decision going forward. What would be the right decision from that list, do you think, um, if I, they could get them? I don't think they'll get Tuchel, by the way. I'm just saying that's, you know what I mean? Yeah, let, let's say that they could, though. He's included here. I, I think that's a decision for, well, obviously, for, for the Spurs board to make because as, as impressive a list as that is, so Deserby, for me, is, is a huge attraction just because of Spurs and their history around playing the game a certain way. Spurs fans like to see this game played a certain way. That's their tradition. And I think Deserby also serves that. I, I, my, my one concern is, does... Does Potter's failure at Chelsea almost shade the Zerbi and what, what he's doing? Because while Graham Potter had Brighton playing fantastic football, you can't say they say he's been able to deliver that at Chelsea. No, so now, does that, is there a little bit of a red flag there? That, that's from something for them to decide and for Spurs to decide stylistically. But then you cannot dismiss Thomas Tuchel, Luis Enrique for their successes in, in European football and, and, and delivering silverware. Because, again, the one thing you can say about Spurs is that silverware has eluded them. And as much as they got to the Champions League final a couple of years ago, they have not been able to deliver major silverware for quite some time. And in those two managers, they know how to get the job done. So does that then become, become the priority, bringing in somebody who can deliver silverware and has, has, has shown that? Or do you build from Spurs stylistically and then add the pieces you needed playing-wise, to, to, to bring in whatever trophy I've, you, you I, need. I've said before on this show, and I think the timing for Graham Potter was bad. Not in terms of, you know, he's got a big job and it's, it's been a struggle, good result in midweek. But I've always said I think Tottenham was a better fit for him, coming from Brighton, with a longer-term vision, with a bit more patience, with, with, with less chaos, not as much money, obviously, but less chaos in the transfer market, and more time to build 
but obviously that that ship has sailed because he's at Chelsea, he's having to deal with all this stuff. So unless he gets sacked in a week or so, he's not available and his stock might not be, obviously it's not going to be as high. But I think he was a better fit for Tottenham with a longer term vision than Antonio Conte. Unfortunately for him, he couldn't turn the Chelsea job down and that might go awry for him. So I think they need somebody like that. It's going to be a bit more patient, uh, like Pochettino was, to be fair, for uh, until it went wrong at the end. But I have no idea, to be honest with you, which way. Uh, and they're talking about Paratici being involved as well, who obviously is, is in a bit of hot water in, in Italy. So I have no idea which way that this Tottenham board are going to go if indeed Conte leaves. From that list that you just saw, Nadem, is there anyone that you think would be a good fit at Spurs? Do you know, to be honest, I think this Spurs job is just a really interesting one because when somebody arrives, what are the goals? Is it to is it like we're going to try and we're going to do everything we can to win a trophy? We're going to do everything we can to win a league. And, you know, there are other teams who are trying to do that. Going into the next season, you find in a resurgent Man United, you're going to see Man City there. You're going to find a Liverpool team is probably going to be better. A Chelsea team is going to be better. An Arsenal side who might be, you know, trying to fight to regain their Premier League title. So it's going to be extra competitive, competitive up there. So whoever comes in needs to have like almost the backing and understanding that the players, the club, they're all pushing to be at the very top. Because if they're not, then you're looking at fifth, you're looking at sixth, you're looking at seventh. And is that what Spurs are? But I think ultimately, you know, for this season, with Conte, some of the football people have been disappointed. It brings results. But even the other day against AC Milan, they're down to 10 men. There are a few minutes left. Then you take off Kulusevsky to bring on Sanchez. And I get that he wants his structure. But the fans booed it because it just feels really negative. Some fans just want to see like a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. So maybe somebody that can come in, bring in a level of that exciting football, something which they can get behind, and sort of arrive into every week being hopeful, as opposed to thinking, well, maybe we'll win today, but it won't be nice to watch. So, you know, as you look at those list of managers, you know, maybe if you can get Luis Enrique, you know, with a Thomas Frank, he's obviously doing a great job with Brentford. This is obviously a high-pressure job if he goes to, uh, goes to Spurs. But somebody that brings nice football, that would be fantastic and somebody that genuinely believes that they can make that team and that football club go back to be successful at a time when it's probably as competitive in the Premier League as it's ever been. So you've all picked someone a little bit do different you know, there. You know Norman is mentioned for these jobs and it's unfortunate for him that he's having his worst season as Brendan Rodgers. Now, Brendan Rodgers, you can argue here, is this, is this, all, is this down to Brendan Rodgers because he's not a bad manager? Or is this, I suppose, some of it is, the buck stops with him and his coaching staff. But their recruitment in the summer was horrendous. Just not good at all. Uh, and maybe that's just unfortunate for him. I think he is a dark horse out there amongst all those names. But he's not as prominent as he was. Uh, you remember when Arteta was on the brink, it seemed, I don't know, 12 months ago, whatever it was, maybe more than that. His name was in the forefront of most, most of the bigger jobs. Unfortunately for him, because of Leicester's season at the moment, his name just doesn't seem to be up there. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out him being at least on a shortlist. Jules, what's the talk in North London as to who the frontrunner is to replace Conte? It's interesting because the, the list is great. They, they, they're very, they, they are different managers. Luis Enrique is very different to Deserbi, to Holland Pochettino, have similarities, but also a lot of differences. Pochettino, I don't think, uh, return of Pochettino, I don't know if he thinks it's a good idea. If people at the club, it seems that it's not the priority right now, despite the odds from the, from the bookies. I think to hold Chelsea, Spurs, the rivalry, all of that, not to convince either. 
I think the Zerbi would be great. I don't know. I don't think he's available right now for Spurs, even if they pay off Brighton. I don't know. I think Michael Carrick is maybe a couple of years Leave too off. soon because he, yeah, I know, I know. I knew you would say that. But you know too well as well the great job he's doing at Borough right now. But I think this is maybe too early now. He still needs a bit of more experience before taking a, a bigger job like that. Um, and what about yeah, what about Vincent Company, Jules? Uh, Guardiola's yeah, not I, leaving anytime soon, is he? No, but I was going to say I was going to say something about company because the job and I saw him again the other day in London. Uh, the job that he's doing with Burnley is exceptional. They're going to go up now. There's no doubt. Uh, and the identity. And again, we we're talking about someone who needs to build something at Spurs with a proper identity, like Ten Hag at United, like Arteta at Arsenal, like Klopp did after Rodgers at Liverpool. This is the kind of manager that they need now. And and I I think company would be perfect for that too. So there there will be options, but let's not also forget that they will have to invest massively in this squad. It's a squad that is not good enough. So whoever is the manager, Shaka, Greg, Nader, me, UK, is good. <laughs> but the money would have to be invested to make that squad stronger because otherwise, yeah, maybe a Tuchel can do better with this squad than 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 Conte. But it will still not be great because it's not a great squad. And I think one of the questions you're asking, of course, is, is am I going to be managing Harry Kane? Hmm. And that is, and you talk about improving the squad. If he goes at Tottenham, he's irreplaceable at that club because that club don't have the money and will not go out and spend the money to bring that calibre striker in. So, you know, what, what's going to happen there? I mean, I, surely, to God, I mean I, surely to God he's got to push for this move, I mean, he has, I don't know I say that, uh, but I would imagine he's got one last push to try and go somewhere, whether it's Man United, there's been some talk about the budget there and what way Ten Hag's going to go with it, there are other clubs out there, so yeah, it's not just about who they're going to bring in as manager and who they're going to sign as maybe centre-halves or another midfielder, is what's the big fella up front going to do? Oh, well, let's talk about another big fella up front, or not for that matter, when it comes to starting for Spurs. Richarlison very unhappy with his limited minutes at the moment. He says he was told he would start against Milan, but obviously he was left on the bench. He took a bit of a shot at Antonio Conte after the game, speaking to Brazilian media. Not very happy about that decision at all from his coach, and it does seem as though there might be a bit of upset between the two parties here when it comes to Richarlison and Conte. I was playing well with a good sequence of games, two wins against West Ham and Chelsea, and suddenly he benched me. Against Wolves, I went in to play five minutes. I asked why and nobody told me anything. On Tuesday, they asked me to do a test at the gym, telling me that if I was okay, I'd be in the starting lineup. And when it's time for the game, he benched me. These are things that I can't understand. I wasn't told anything on why I wasn't starting. Let's see what he's going to say. But there's no fool here. I'm a professional. I work every day and I want to play. I'm lacking minutes. This season, and apologies for the use of the word, has been because I'm not getting minutes. I've also had some injuries, but when I'm on the pitch, I give my life. I was coming from two good games, especially against Chelsea, when I played 90 minutes and we won the match. Has he said a little bit too much there, Craig? I don't know. He's not happy, yeah? 
Makes me look chirpy, doesn't it? <laughs> well, that, that's some job there. Well, if he wanted, well, if, to be fair, if he wanted game time and guaranteed, he should have stayed at Everton because he, he was never going to get regular game time with this Tottenham manager with that shape that they play generally with sort of Hungman Son and Kulusevski sort of running from a slightly, not a wide position, but a little narrower behind. And he's a, he's a different option for them in terms of that style. You know, and he, he, he talked about it himself. He'll give his life, he will. So give his life, that's, that's a bit too much. But he'll give everything when he comes on, more of a physical presence. Uh, but it's a different skill set to the ones that are actually playing behind Harry Kane. And so he must have known that before he joined the club. And it's frustrating. Frustrating when you're a player. But but yeah, he's clearly not happy with Conte. And I, listen, I, would, I don't begrudge him the fact that I'll not share the same terminology as him, but I don't begrudge him the fact that he's annoyed about not being playing. That's a good thing. I, 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 I sympathise as well. First of all, it, it's easy to take a, a shot at a manager when you know the manager's on the way out. Everybody knows Antonio Conte is on his way out. Fans aren't happy with the style of football. Fans aren't happy with the results. Um, that being said, if I'm Richarlison, I, I, I fully understand why, why you're as frustrated as you are. You, you, come to the, you come to Spurs, I'm sure, leaving Everton... You come there, you, you promise certain things in terms of maybe your, your, your own playing time, the, the titles that, that the, the club will be pushing for, and then, and then all of a sudden you, you find yourself not a part of things. Oh, and, and to his point, you get two good results and then one poor result against Sheffield United in the Cup and, and you're out. And I, 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 I totally understand. I totally understand why he's as frustrated as he is. I totally understand why he's lashing out as he is. It's a good time to do that, as, as, as I mentioned. Um, and at least keep your name um, in the headlights. At least people know that you're still around. You're still every bit as passionate as you always have been. It's been e it could have been so much easier for, for Antonio Conte to make changes because of how poor Spurs have been. Yeah, you just not gotten a, a, a fair enough shake. I, I sympathise. Will he start him at the weekend, Nadem? Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if we saw him at the weekend, um, but maybe I'm misjudging Conte. But it's interesting because, you know, for him going from Everton to Spurs, as one thing you can see, whenever there's a transfer that happens, there's something that will be said to you by the club, whether it's by the manager, sporting director or whatever, telling you what their plan is for you at this new football club. And what we can see here, clear from Richarlison, was that the plan was for him to never be the guy who just comes off the bench for 20 minutes a pop. So I'm interested what they said he wrote, his role was going to be. But then, lo and behold, the way football is, I promise that the start doesn't guarantee action at the end. I think you can even see that in the way that the last week has been for him, where he thought he was going to play, then he's on the bench. And in some ways, he's said a lot. Conte is probably not going to take it well. But in fairness, for me, it shows that he cares because there are lots of other people who sit on the bench and they're very, very comfortable being there. But the mess for he's trying to say about giving his life on the field, I think that he is that type of player. I think he feels he deserves more action. I'd like to have seen him more. But unfortunately, you know, Conte has the people he prefers to play week in, week out, regardless of the result. And it's a shame for him the move hasn't worked out the way that it has done so far. But this is football. This is the way that it works. I'm sure he's going to continue to work hard. But I'm sure Conte will just remind him who's the boss in the next few days. And yeah, I'd be very surprised if he ended up getting a lot of uh, game time going forward. Another team whose Champions League journey came to an end is PSG. There's been lots of reaction to this, as you can imagine. But uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. All the talk on ESPN FC on all the latest topics over on our YouTube page. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. 
your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Let's get to PSG talk then. Out of the Champions League, PSG, Paris without geniuses here in L'Equipe. Sport also saying fracaso. It's a failure. Knocked out at the first round knockout stage to Bayern Munich. This is what Kylian Mbappe had to say about it all. Bayern Munich have a team that is built to win the Champions League. At the start of the season, in the first Champions League press conference, I said we'd do the maximum we could. This is the maximum we can do. Jules, what's your reaction to what Kylian Mbappe said there? Well, we, we mentioned it on the show last night already. I, he, does, he rarely comes to speak to us after games, and when he does, it's because he has something that he wants to say, obviously, but like something really important. And yesterday, when he came to see us, we knew that there was going to be somewhere something like this. The realization, the, the, the confrontation, whatever you want to call it, that this squad, this team is not good enough to go and win the Champions League. He said it, it's the truth. He added after that little um, passage that you showed, he added, this is the truth. This is where we are. Let's go back to focus on the league. Let's win the league and then we will see. And, and he's right. This is, this, was not, this is not good enough. This is not a squad that is built correctly in terms of structure, in terms of quantity, quality, uh, there's a lot of issues with it uh, and he knows it and and this so is the reality. So how do they fix it, Jules? Who are they going to get rid of? Well, that's the big question and I think Luis Campos is already working on the summer, of course, planning it. Uh, I think he, he knows how important this summer is. He had two transfer windows already, January and last summer, and there's been more negative really in it than positive. And this time he can't get it wrong. So whether they go and get younger French players, Parisians, ideally as well, which I think a lot of people at the club and the fans would like, whether they, they mix it up with more experience, someone like Milan Skriniar, for example, who's already signed from Inter Milan. That's the idea. What do you do with Sergio Ramos? What do you do with Messi? What do you do with Neymar? Are you trying, you're going to try to sell again, but who's going to take him? So all those questions will have to be answered between now and the start of the new season in in August, really, they will keep Mbappe because he's got another year on his contract. We don't know yet exactly what he wants to do, but that also will have to be sorted. But they are in a strong position in the sense that if they don't want him to leave, he's on the contract, so he will stay. But for the rest, there's a lot of things to sort out. It's a, it's a yeah. big, big work you know, in progress. But he, he couldn't, he, when he had this chance to move and he didn't, and there was a big furore and fanfare and all this sort of nonsense. He couldn't have realistically looked at that squad and thought, 
we're front runners. With the balance in that squad, we're front runners for the Champions League. It's no surprise they're out, particularly once they pulled by on the draw. So it's not a surprise they're out. And I get his frustrations as one of the top players in the world, but he did call it a project. Projects take time. Now, he might not be happy with the way it's going or the personnel involved, but he stayed, he called it a project, and he was happy to be there. So, you know, he's part of the, part of the problem, if you will, in terms of he's in there. And they just didn't do enough. And, and look, I don't think many expected PSG to go all the way, having watched them recently and having seen them in the first game against Bayern and having seen the issues with some of the players and the injury to Marquinhos, you know, Ramos's age, uh, Neymar's injury, all these sort of variables around it. It's not a surprise they're out. It's disappointing for them, but... It's probably one of their weaker efforts at the Champions League with this team, so it's frustrating. But Mbappe, he had to have a sense of that in the summer, surely. You can guarantee his name will be all over the Spanish press in the summer once again. It has been the day after their exit as well. Marker saying, if you want to win the Champions League, you know what to do, Kylian Mbappe. Now, this is Kylian Mbappe speaking about his future. <laughs> The only thing that matters to me this season is to win now, Ligue 1, and then we'll see. At the moment, I'm only talking about this season. Nothing else matters to me. We are disappointed. So you really do feel that he's going to stick around then, Jules? Well, I, I, I don't know if he will want, if he will try to push for a move. But certainly he's under contract. So just purely on this basic, he's got another year after this one, and then potentially a third one in option. So if they said to him, you're not going anywhere, you're under contract, he will have to stay if they don't open the door for him to go. Would they do that? That's what they're telling us. So they said they would be firm if he, even if he wants to go. We knew back in November and we reported it. We broke the news on the website that he was not happy at all for the reasons that Craig mentioned. Is that He was promised a much better team, a much better squad than the one he ended up with once the summer transfer window closed. And he was not happy with that. He could clearly see back in November that it would be a struggle for the Champions League. So times, times has passed between then and now. He broke the, goal, the, the all-time top goal-scoring record the other day, and he was happy after that, saying that he's happy at the club. Okay, great. He was not happy last night, I can tell you that. I, and I know Maxilene Mbappe. So we will have to see what the next few weeks offer. I think they will win the league now. It won't be enough for him because his ambition is the Champions League, of course. Will he give, will he give another go next season and saying, okay, this is the last time now I'm going for it. I want to win my first Champions League with this club, my hometown, my home club. I, I think this is probably what will happen. But again, we don't know now. It's too early. What would you do if you were killing Mbappe, Shaka? Stay or go? I, I would have gone a year ago or whenever it was that he was linked with Real Madrid. I, 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 I sympathise with Kylian Mbappe as a Parisian and wanting to, to, to bring the Champions League back with, with PSG. I understand that. But just in terms of his own trajectory as, as, as a player, sitting at club level, um, I don't think anybody questions anything about, about Kylian Mbappe internationally. But at club level, I, I felt he should have moved. And, and now quite clearly re regretting that. If that opportunity presents itself again, if he's allowed to leave, and as Jules mentioned, he's, he's under contract, if he's allowed to leave, um, you, you take the opportunity this time and, and you don't look back.
Well, we thank Jules for being with us. If you'd like to hear more from him, make sure to check out the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast for a lot more talk on Kylian Mbappe. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Bundesliga action coming up this weekend. A whole lot of it, and Shaka and I will be with you for the Revere derby between Schalke and Borussia Dortmund. Can Dortmund bounce back from that setback against Chelsea in the Champions League? Make sure to find out by tuning in with us for all the build-up to that game. The title race is on in Germany. Thursday. Music. Rankings. Oh, it's Music's been far playing. too long. Talk it's been time. far too long. Craig even turned up for it today. Oh, and, and, and this one, <laughs> Napoli, Napoli is, a, is a bit of a surprise this week, dropping two places after they go and lose to Lazio, but then Lazio go and lose to AZ in the Europa League, so they don't even make it. Um, other than that, Benfica may be punished, get a, a, a softest draw in the Champions League, otherwise they may be higher. Galatasaray, no European football uh, for them. Barcelona, Atletico Madrid find themselves in after the most un-Atletico Madrid performance <laughs> over the weekend, scoring six. I thought I'd give them a, a little bit of a nod. And Roma maybe the surprise So you've only got to have one good game. One good game. They're third in Spain, Atletico Madrid. So one swallow flies over and that makes the summer. They're third in Spain. <laughs> good performance. I give them a what little bit of a What the hell do you know about Galatasaray? I know that they're in my power ranking. <laughs> I love, this is a new thing when it says new. No. <laughs> new. <laughs> it's a new feature. There can be no argument with those, Kay. No arguments for you, Nathan. But it's Rory 11th, Kay. Just, just, well, just, just for you, just for you, Kay. It's another fantastic conversation starter because I have no idea what he's doing, but something in his mind works <laughs> and he always delivers. Credit to you, Shaka, credit to you. That's, um, that's the story of my life, really. Middlesbrough omitted. I think I was omitted from your carnival list as well. I, I, was, I, I was, Dan didn't ask on your behalf. Well. I blame Dan. Blame Dan, Key. <laughs> I'll blame Dan. I'll blame Dan. <laughs> Middlesbrough expect to see you there next week if they get themselves a win. A big, big win as well with the league's top scorer too, Shaka. Make sure to check out our YouTube page to keep up to date with Extra Time on the daily when these guys answer all of your questions. Good news for Shaka. West Ham won in the Europa hey, Conference League. If we could play in Anaka every single week, that'd be great. Is this a bona fide competition? Both goals coming from Antonio. Oh, as look well. at it. I'll tell you what. Major silverware coming West Ham's way. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. Sure. how important it was for uh, <laughs> Mourinho last year. Yep. 
Well, you it's know. The biggest, it's the biggest pile of golf I think I've seen in a while, let's be honest. No, don't say that. Hey. When West Ham getting knocked out, you could see. More games, more games, more games, more games. Here's a look at the CONCACAF Champions League oh, results. A big, big result for <laughs> Vancouver Whitecaps. 5-0 against Real España of Honduras. I'm and also... Ross in this. <laughs> Atlas, a 4-1 loss to Olympia, is tied for the largest margin of defeat by a Liga MX team to a non-Liga MX opponent in the current format. You know where you can go to find out a lot more about that? Football, Football Americas. It is their second year anniversary, so say something Ah, hard. where's the kick? No, the boy, I love the boys, but I don't love the CONCACAF Nations League. Okay. I don't even know why we put the graphic up. <laughs> some of the worst teams walking the planet. Happy anniversary. What a way to, to finish. The guys. Conference League and the CONCACAF Nations League. I love it. I that, hope there's no questions about it. You know it. what that day tells you? Extra time coming up West Ham and CONCACAF. Boom. All right, Craig's already fired up for the latest edition <laughs> of Extra Time. Let us whole Extra Time be a oh, Burley's no, boiling point. No, all the years I've been doing this show, both <laughs> living in America and doing it when I was working, living That's in okay, the UK. Okay, with the glasses, you know, from from the globe. Four dollars. I never get when we put these Liga Liga M. What do you call it? Liga, Liga MX. MX. You can just say Liga yeah. MX. Yeah. Liga MX games in. And I'm like, why are we putting them in? But you could say Liga MX just to be really cool. Yeah, go on, try it. Why are we putting them in? It. Oh, it's like we're trying to please everybody. Nobody cares. <laughs> I'm sure there's some people that care are the people that follow League MXs. Exactly, and they might be following and they're us. They're not the ones that follow this program. Because we never ever talk about League MX. We just did. We just put a pile of results up and go, here's the results, take that. So are you saying you want to talk about Liga MX? Is that what, oh, I'm is hearing, that, is that what I'm second. hearing here? Hearing we have the rights for it coming up. <laughs> I'll work on it. Craig wants to talk about Liga MX. He almost wore his glasses for today's show you, at the request of the, the producer. And then he's banging it on your desk and you director. know how much you pay for those glasses already. <laughs> I brought them up just so I could look at your uh, team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Power rankings. Power rankings. <laughs> by the way, for something so important, we didn't spend much time on it, did we? We couldn't wait to get off them. No. I mean, you never. We should have a whole show dedicated to the Power Rankings. Well, give it a bit more time to go uh, in depth. Uh, Nader Manu is with us as well. Hey. Uh, he will be answering your That's questions. That's me upset, League MX people. Well, we'll see if there's any questions Champions about League. that. Uh, Major League Soccer. Okay, I'm going and you know what? Let's see what you say to this because I'm going to put this first one to you, Craig. Yeah. As someone who's six foot five, I feel we're not giving Veghorst his due. He throws himself about in the 18-yard box, draws defenders, and has some real dribbling skills. So, is signing an expensive number nine United's most important need this summer? Hulk Hogan throws himself about, but I wouldn't have him up front for Man United. Who throws himself about? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Did you not <laughs> What's the end of that question? Uh, is, is, a num- is an expensive number nine the most important need this summer? Yes. Yes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not been rude to vote Veghorst. I mean, I can be if you want, but the boy's had an opportunity and he's got in there and, and it's a bit like a gallo when he got, came on loan from China. Former Watford striker. And the Solskjaer, I think it was, he was like, I bet when he phoned them up, he thought it was a prank. It's just one of those things where the Ronaldo situation was horrible, dealt with brilliantly, by the way, by club and uh, manager, and they had to get somebody in. Now, he knows him, but come on, he's, he's like a fish out of water in that United side. What did you call him tonight? Cartos? 
It's yeah. a bit of a cart horse, yeah. Up front. So I, I, I think the Veg Horse story is, is a nice one. Listen. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you in that. He's not good enough luck to. He's not. But Ten Hag knows what he wants. He wants a, a big centre forward. Plant, plant him in the middle. If he does that, he can get the best out of Rashford. I don't think anybody questions that. He can allow Bruno Fernandes to run the middle of the park as, as he does. And when he's good, Bruno Fernandes is, is very good. Anthony, when he decides to be good, he's all right. Um, so there is, there is, you can't be critical of old Veghorst. That's his skill set. He's doing, everybody knew what he could or couldn't do at the time. He's brought in to, to do a job to make others better. And, and he's done that. And you have to applaud him for that. But he is not a long-term solution for Manchester United. And while it's a great story, while you can applaud him, while Manchester United fans rightly love him, you totally understand if Manchester United go out in the summer and spend a lot of money on somebody to play that position. He has his limitations and that's why he was playing for Burnley before he went on loan. Sounds it's just the way it is. I mean, it is, is what it is. Sounds like you don't know what all the fuss is about. All right. What fuss? <laughs> Ignore me. <laughs> For all, what were the first pair of football boots you've owned as a professional and your favourite ever pair from your career, Nadem? Uh, the ones I remember firstly were, the, were a pair that I think it was Andy Cole used to wear, the Reeboks. I forget what they were called, but they were right up there for me. I love those ones. But the ones which I sort of really enjoyed wearing the most were the... I think they were the TMPOs that I think Didi Haman used to wear back in the day. I remember getting those when I was in the academy. You got a little discount with them and everybody got them. Everyone in the team had them and they were, they were top class, yeah. So they were probably my favourites, but that's, they're one of many, I guess. My, so my first pair as, as a professional, I bought. I mean, I, I joined Reading. So when I was leaving university, you could get credit cards. Credit card companies approve you as, 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 a, as a graduating student. So I got a couple of credit cards and totally maxed them out when I went to England. <laughs> including buying, buying a pair of boots. I bought, bought, bought two pairs of boots. I bought the Copas and the World Cups, right? The, the, the moles and... Is interesting and you, you didn't buy any goalie gloves? But I, I, I bought, may have bought goalie gloves. I, I can't remember at this point. But the question was boots. Let me tell you a boot story. So I, I totally maxed my credit card out until one day I go to a store and, and they're like, oh, we have, we've got to cut your card up. So they, they yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They cut my card up. Do you know, when I came back to the U.S. in 2006 at FC Dallas, the credit card company sent me the bill. <laughs> 14 years later, I, I had to They were the onto you. As soon as I arrived, because I, I still had the same social security number, as soon as I got back, I got the bill from 1992 in the post and had to pay it. Were they worth it? Yeah, they were worth it. Well, right. it got me in the door with Reading and so I'm... I'm I wasn't complaining at that point. So you bought the boots in the United States? Yeah. And then hot-footed it to England? Yeah. Without paying the bill? Yeah. Basically, <laughs> it's the gist of this story. That's, that's the full story right yeah. there. That's the full story. But enough time has passed now for They've him to tell the story. It's quite difficult to find, does he? Go to Carnival in the year. I don't remember. I don't remember. I can't remember boots so much. I was, I, I think I wore Reebok a lot. I was sponsored by Reebok at one point when I was at Chelsea and playing for Scotland. Uh, I never bought boots. God, I never bought boots. I'm not buying boots. My mum and dad would buy me boots. Right. Uh, I was a youngster, but mum and dad's buy everybody. Everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. So many boots over the years, different ones. Anyone that was comfy and soft, 
Right. Hated the hard ones that you had to really break in. Tough. I still maintain the Copas and the workups are the best boots the Copa, ever made. The, the, the Adidas? Yeah, best boots ever. Moldies. Between that and the Puma Kings, best boots ever. Yeah, I, you know, I, I actually asked Ale this off camera the other day and he was just listing off a load of old Italian boots. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. must have, tell you what, off camera? Oh, that must have been an interesting <laughs> conversation. <laughs> oh, let's I talk about... I was listening in. <laughs> Should we have a discussion about football boots? I like knowing what people want too, so I'm not surprised to see a question like this. All right, Craig, what's more likely to happen next season? Kane leaving or Antonio Conte staying? What's more likely to happen? Mm -hmm. uh, it's more likely that Conte. God dear. Antonio Conte is not staying. Antonio Conte is more likely to leave. So right. So. So with that, the gist of the question. It's weird, actually, isn't it? Kane leaving us, Conte staying. Antonio Conte is not. Staying. What's more likely? Anto so it's more. So it's more Conte. likely that Kane. What's leaves? more likely? It's more likely that Kane leaves. Oh. Yeah, because Antonio Conte is not still. Yeah, yeah, okay. sorry. That's more right. likely, yeah. All right. Stevie's infected finger has a question. By the way, just before I do ask this question, guess what's turned up as a name? <laughs> yep. Yep. Shaka's missing tooth was one of the names today in, uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> from Twitter. And the it didn't make it though, one, sorry. Uh, What's the other one? Shaka's unpaid credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. From 1992. So keep those questions coming in as well. And you, Shaka's missing tooth. All right, Stevie's infected finger. By the way, why aren't you getting that done? Six months, isn't it? Yeah, July, end of July. I'll have on my teeth. <laughs> oh, Nadam, let me start with you. What's the biggest change from your playing days outside of salaries where you wish the game had been that way when you played outside of salaries? The biggest change? Um, poor. Wish the game. Well, I, I don't think I fully understand the question, but I'm going to offer something anyway. I think something that changed the most across the years was like by the end of my career, you were getting weighed every single day. You were doing hydration tests and all this stuff. And that was during the season. But then when the off season came in, they do body fats and stuff before the season ended. And then they do it again when you came back. And it wasn't like the calipers. It was literally laying on a machine. And one of the places I was, I was at, you couldn't put on more than 1% body fat, even though you were off for six, seven weeks in the summer. So realistically, the job went from being a 10 month one to a 12 month one. So, you know, I wish that never came in because when, you know, when I first started, you could actually enjoy the off-season, whereas now the off-season is a pre-pre-season. And lo and behold, when you start doing yo-yo tests and bleep tests, when you come back, goalkeepers are finishing like middle of the pile. So this is, that's the thing that I wish would never have changed. But unfortunately, this is where we're at now. Two things outside salary. Uh, pitches. Pitches are pretty much perfect now. Not all the time, but damn near it and the way the game's played because the way the game's played now particularly in England but not just England is it's so stretched that in the middle of the park on a lot of occasions there's a lot of room I was talking to Steve and I were talking about this it used to be the game was so condensed because the fullbacks the centre halves would never split the keeper would be never playing the ball out like he is and the fullbacks would never be as wide and everything was more congested and so the middle of the park where I played most of my career was just sometimes you'd look round and there'd be like eight bodies within like ten yards there was no room not a lot of room and I think there's more room for players to go and play now so I, I think pitches and shape of the game 
as a keeper, absolutely the pitches. That pitches would cut up in, in, inside the box like, like, like no other. And, and that was always the biggest concern for, for a goalkeeper. Do you feel that the players are a little bit more protected from the media now than maybe they were in your era? In what sense? I never wanted to be protected from the media. Right. But there we was were always happy to talk to the... Particularly when I went to Celtic, where it was media... It's a media frenzy up there. You know, like some of the tabloid headlines that maybe you saw back home, where people were just following your every move and putting it out well, there. Uh, no, but now you have that with social media. Right, so, so that's just the, 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 the trade-off. Yeah, you know, it's less, less the tabloids than just people out in the street with a, with a camera phone and, and... I think the posting stuff about it. I think the players, unfortunately, because of a lot of different scenarios, are a little bit more robotic now in front of the media. Purely because they're a little bit more fearful about the perception. Were you all media trained back then, like they are now? Never. No. no. Never. Common sense. I mean, media trained. You got you've got a brain in your head. You should know how to answer a question. The problem is some of them don't have a brain in their head or can't operate it properly. But no, and, and I think it's important, and I always felt it was important to talk to the radio guys and the TV and the newspapers. And you've just got to use your better judgment with questions. But, but, but I think there's too much overprotection now right. of some of the big players. And they're fearful of saying the wrong thing. And it just goes but viral. At, at, at the same time, tabloid newspapers could take anything as mundane as it may be and, and spin it into, into a, a negative headline. The example I, I always use is, when it, I always remember at Newcastle, we signed, when we signed Faustino Aspria, the media asked Les Ferdinand, did Keegan ask you about, did he consult with you about signing Faustino Aspria? And Les's answer was, no, he doesn't have to, he's the manager. And the headline is, Ferdinand, Keegan did not consult me in signing Aspria. And, 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 you know, so, when, when players, as a result, are then negative or, or, or cagey, as Craig puts it, I, I totally understand. Because there is almost nothing you can see that they can't twist. So unless it's done in video where you, you get the fullest context of exactly what's said, then you know, the words can be, can be manipulated. But as we well know in this game, it's not unfortunately the probably very good journalists that were talking to Les. Yeah. It's the journalists going back with the story, writing the story up, and then the subbies do the headlines. Mm -hmm. And and those subbies don't have to go down and talk to the players. And, and so it's a difficult one because you have a relationship with players as a journalist. Not that I'm a journalist and I don't go and talk to players. But I've seen it happen, we've all seen it happen. And then you go back and the editors put in some big splash of a headline yeah. for sales. And that's where the balancing act becomes difficult, particularly with relationships between, you know, professional sportsmen and professional journalists. I like that you know about the subs and everything, changing up the headlines. Well, I used to write columns back yeah. in the day, and they, they used to one correct my grammar. Headlines on it, yeah. I Nadem, start bench or drop these former teammates of yours: Micah Richards, Company, and Colo Toure. Ooh. <laughs> uh, 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 start uh, Vincent. Um, I'll put 
Micah on the bench and I'll have to sell Colo. Like, I'm not as close with Colo as I am with the other two. And then Vincent has a statue outside the stadium, so it'd be weird to not start him. So I think that's actually quite an easy one for me. I think I'm happy to run with that, yeah. Favoritism and bias coming into mm -hmm. Nadam's answer there. Fair enough. All right. Thanks so much for sending in all of your questions. And just a reminder to keep them coming in, especially. No, 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 especially. Don't stop encouraging. You never know. We're back again tomorrow, so it might get answered tomorrow. <laughs> Brainstorm. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Microwave. Air conditioning. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash FC.